0: Hello and welcome, everyone. If you guys could type in yes, if you can hear me, I only need a couple people to do that. But um, if you get a bunch, that's fine. My name is Andrew Krauss. I'm one of the co-founders here at Rights. Stephen Key is our other co-founder. And I'm going to be doing a full hour, uh, not longer than an hour because it's a really freaking long time, uh, but a full hour of Q&A answering your guys' questions about licensing. Um, we always get more and more people as we go. Like, I don't know, a lot of people join, like 15, 20, 25 minutes in. Um, obviously, if you do that, I can't promise to get to your question, but I try to get to as many people as possible. Uh, so let's just jump in here. Uh, we got a few questions already. Um, just to, just to everybody, it was kind of a common joke that I always do the legal, legal disclaimer halfway in, but I'll do it right now at the beginning for once. Um, Anything that I share with you should not be considered legal advice. Please consult your attorney if you're looking for legal advice. Um, I'm just providing general business advice. Okay, and then the other thing that I like to cover is what we're all about on the InventRight TV channel and what InventRight's about and what our coaching program's about is about licensing. So when you license, it's their money, it's their workforce, and it's their distribution. You don't need to raise money, you don't need to hire employees, you don't need to try to get into retailers, all these major manufacturers that you could license to are already in those retailers. So that's what licensing is. Um, You don't need a patent. You just need a provisional patent. If you have a patent, that's fine. But try not to do that every time you come up with an idea. But a provisional patent is just fine. Um, And you don't need a prototype a lot of the time. A lot of times, you know, it's pretty clear how this product can be made. So you're like, oh, but I can't make a prototype. Now I can't license my products. And that's just not at all true. So these are things you'll learn on our YouTube show. And you'll definitely learn them if you become a student of ours. So let's just jump in. Um, let's let's uh, start off right here. My two cents is their handle. If you want to type in your first name so I read your first name instead of your handle, that'd be great. If not, I'll just read your handle either way. If, some of them aren't readable. But um, my two cents is one, and, and they are regular. Um, the event rate videos in your Q&A Mondays help me to decide to sign up as a student. Oh, help me to decide to sign up as a student. Thanks. I've always found that taking a course is not the best way for me to learn. Also, not legal advice. Um, I have found always, I've always found that taking a course is the best way to learn. Okay. Yeah, I think, and I don't even call what we do uh, a course um it's really one-on-one mentoring and yes there is training videos in addition to that but what we do is a lot more hands-on than a course so um but I'm, i'm glad that you've had good experiences in the past i've had some not so good experiences with courses um and things like that so and there's just a lot of people out there offering coaching or courses and they don't really know what they're talking about but we've been doing this 22 years so been doing this for a while. So thank you, my two cents, for the kind words. Um, Radu767 says, hi, Andrew. Do most of the students successfully license a product within six months of coaching, or is that time usually used to develop the inventor skills and licensing comes later? Both are true. So some people will license during that time, maybe a couple months afterwards, maybe a year, two years afterwards. But The two main things that we are doing for our students when we're coaching and mentoring them is to make sure they do and say everything right. That we can guarantee. We can't guarantee you're gonna license the product because that's up to the companies. But you put your best foot forward with your research, with your sell sheet, with your list of companies, with your PPA, with the way you reach out, with what you say when you reach out, and our negotiation coach is helping you, guiding you through that. So you have the highest possible chance of success. But yes, Radu, one of the big things that we always talk about is when somebody calls us and we are talking about helping them with their particular product, we say, yes, we can help you with that. But do you have any other ideas? And some people say, oh yeah, I got a hundred or I got five, right? I don't have any right now, but yeah, I come up with ideas. I don't even have any written down. And I'm like, great, because now I know that you're going to use the skill and the skills we give you to continue to license products the rest of your life. Cause the model that we teach, you can license products, the rest of your life. So, um, you see, nobody typed in yes that you guys could hear me. I'm assuming you guys can hear me. Can somebody type in yes? Maybe I said that too quickly. I don't see anybody saying that they can't hear me. So they would probably be like, you know, why is this a... There we go, got it, okay. Thank you, Dolly. Everybody was like. Um, so yeah, I think that this is the typical profile of one of our new students that signs up. They are really into one particular product they're working on. But when I say, do you want to learn these skills? Are you going to work on other ideas? They're like, of course, but that's not my main focus right now. So um, Radu, uh, this is a great question. I I love that question. Um, Prolific invention is their handle. Man, what a week, Andrew. I have had five inventions although two of them are just fantastic ideas. I wish there was a way for me to license my ideas in a fast track type of way. Excellent videos, by the way. Um, You know, I think a lot of inventors fall prey to this. What what you're saying is fantastic, I love that. What you're saying is I got all these ideas and I can't possibly work on all of them. So you wanna do it in a fast track kind of way. Well, a lot of people think like, well, I'll just find somebody to do it for me. And then they find these invention promotion companies. And so, literally, in the 22 years I've been doing InventRight, and in the 14 years I ran my inventor's association in Silicon Valley, I've never met a single inventor that's ever had an invention promotion company license a product for them. But we meet inventors every day, every day. It's been taken for ten dollars or $12,000. And the companies are like, you could have a lump of coal. They're going to tell you it's great. Um, they don't care what it is. And they pretend to work on We have all the contacts. You don't have to do anything. And, and then a year passes by and they go, Well, nobody's interested. And they kept all your money, and who knows what they really did? A lot of them won't even show you documentation on who they approached. They go, Well, that's confidential. Or even if they showed you 10 companies they approached with some spam email, how could you prove that they did it? You know, if it was a phone call, to say it was a phone call. So, um, you know, there is, I think, I don't think I know the invent right track is the fastest track you could possibly take to a licensing deal. Now, with that said, I always tell new students, when you go through your first product, it's going to be two to five times slower than your second project because you're learning everything for the first time, plus you're doing it, you know, and that's actually the reason why we don't let our students work on two or three projects out of the gate we let, we don't restrict our students to the number of projects they work on, but at the very beginning we say only one because we want you to get the experience all the way from having a thought to talking to companies and everything in between. So now you're familiar with it. And on your, when I see your students work on their second project, two to five times faster, way faster because it's all familiar. So, um, but when you really understand the event right approach, not because you watched a video or a book because you've actually done it, you know, with the coach you know, with an invent right coach, um, you've experienced it and you could go from, on a simple idea, from having an idea to reaching out to companies in two or three weeks easily, once you have got it. Now, with if you're a brand new student, I don't expect you to be able to do it that quickly um, because you need to understand the skills. But once you understand the skills and you pick your projects carefully and you know how to do some quick research, crank out a sell sheet, crank out a PPA because now you're experienced doing it, doesn't take you forever, you're not worrying about it. Um, make your list of companies and then start start reaching out to those companies on LinkedIn and on the phone. Um, you, could, you could be there on the fast track. And then you can, the fast track to me too, in the long run is working on five or six projects at once or maybe 12 or maybe two or three, it depends on your lifestyle, how much time you have, but that is very doable. So, um, you know, you have to go from, I'm great. I'm glad. Prolific invention. He said that. He or she said that. Had a great weekend. Um, great week. Came up with five ideas. Two of you believes rocks. Well, that's the easy part. And for most of you listening, coming up with ideas really wasn't that hard for you. For some of you, you're like, oh, it's my first one. I don't know if I come up with others. But I don't talk to a lot of inventors. After a while, they just start to naturally come up with ideas. Um, you need to get to the point where you accept that most of inventing is not the inventing at all. Most of inventing is and licensing your product is the the drudgery. Uh, now, fortunately, it's one thousandths the work of running a business. You know, you don't need to raise money. You don't need to hire employees. You don't need to do all this. And once you do a deal, it's all on them. Right. But you still work. I'm not going to tell you that it's not work to do to make your sell sheet, make your list of companies, follow your PPA, reach out to companies and just be kind of robotic about it. Right. Um, and. It's, yeah, you come up with ideas endlessly, but you have to, come, you have to pick your ones that you want to work on. Um, and yeah, you know, prolific, you can, you can get to a point where you could be working on 12 inventions at once so that's your goal. And you are on the fast track because you're doing things very quickly that way. And you may decide, well, I don't want to work on that invention because, man, in the time I worked on that thing, that's going to be difficult for so many reasons. You start to identify those reasons. I could work on five simple ideas that have just as much potential. So you start to get, and then you are on the fast track. So I love that question. Um, Turi said, hi, Andrew, I have an idea that, if you think I'm squinting, it's because I desperately need to go see an optometrist and get glasses. I've been um, fighting it forever. I actually use uh, these readers. I got a bunch of them. I got like a hundred of them are $1 glasses. I buy at the dollar store, I'm not kidding. I got to get to the, but I can read fine at a distance here, but I do squint a little bit. So I got to get some glasses, guys. Um, I have an idea that I would like to license. It's an improvement to an existing patented invention. I'm worried that my idea might infringe. I've heard this a million times before on the patented idea, though. The patent includes terminology to avoid workarounds, which my idea may fall into. Not 100% sure. Should I discuss with the patent attorney? They're not always that great about evaluating that, believe it or not and have them check it out before I sign up uh, for the Right program. So I can't tell you how many patent attorneys where, you know, they fall in a different camp. Sometimes they'll they'll try to get you a patent on whatever piece of garbage you show them. You know, it doesn't matter how ridiculous it is, whatever. Those are not good patent attorneys, guys. Like a good patent attorney might go, well, there might be some issues here. You need, we need to look into that. Maybe you can look into that. I'll look into that, whatever. Um, and then there's other ones that on the surface, they take a look at it and they tell the inventor it's not patentable. And I've had then the inventor talk to me personally and I look at it, and I'm like, uh, what they told you is BS. Like it's because the, the patent attorney is not creative. They're not been inventive. And I'm like, well, let's look at the marketplace because who cares about patents? It's more about the marketplace. I'm saying that to emphasize my point. But then I, I take a quick look on Google Images at the other products in the space. I'm like, well, you could change it like this. And I say to the inventor, like, so what was the problem in that patent? They're like, oh, well, they're getting this and this. And so I'm like, we can get right around that. That's not a problem. So um, do not count on your attorney to be able to properly evaluate if you can get around it. They just don't like to spend a lot of time on that. What they want to do is get 10 or 12 grand out of you for a patent, right? So they're not necessarily, you think like, well, they want to get the patent, so they'll figure out a way to get around it but sometimes it's a bunch of BS, you know? So what, you know, you've got this improvement on an existing product that is patented and you believe there's some workaround language in there so that you believe their patent's pretty good, but you gotta break it down. You gotta look at those claims in the patent and and read it. And so one technique that I always tell our students is like, hopefully the claims are only two or three or four sentences, hopefully. Um, And you read it and you're like, I don't know what they're talking about you read it again and again and again like you have obsessive compulsive disorder and like the fifth time you read it you're like oh they're only covering that hook oh that's not a problem i can get around that and then you do that with every claim and then you you go um and also another another mistake people make this is kind of funny but not so funny a lot of inventors that are new can't tell if it's an issued or not issued patent it's pretty obvious you know so but Sometimes people are like, oh, my God, they have such great protection. And I look at the patent and I'm like, this is an issue. So when you file a patent, the company or inventor needs to wait one to three years for the patent office to get back to you. And then they do office actions, which is I explain it in layman's terms, which is an argument between your patent attorney and the patent examiner. They're going to argue about what claims to get. That's a normal thing. But it takes them one to three years to get to that these days for most products. So people will look up a patent from a company. Now, if it says patent number, that's issued. If it says patent pending, you find the patent and be clear that if it's an issued patent or not. Okay. And you can usually read through that. It's pretty easy to, understand, to see that if you're paying attention. So Tori, one um, piece of advice I have for you is make sure if it's an issued or if it's a pending patent, because the pending ones always have incredible claims because they haven't been granted yet. So there'll be all these crazy claims, right? Um, and th- the company may get none of those. They may only get one out of like 20 claims or something like that. So see if it's issued. But also, the more important question is ask yourself, OK, if you made an improvement on this existing product that's selling well, do you have 10, 15, 20, 30 other companies you can call? Or can you only license it to this company? don't do that, guys. Don't do that to yourself. Don't work on a product that you only want to license to one company. You're going to file your provisional, make your sell sheet, do all that work. And they're like, nah. And you're like, and you're toast. And that's it. Like, but most of the time when you take a look at it, you've got a whole bunch of other companies you can license to as well. So um, read the claims very thoroughly, but you know, figure out what is the most marketable version of your product. Look at the other products in that space. And if you're not violating whatever patent Whatever they have patented issued, of course, um you know then then go for it, but uh you know some patent attorneys are nice, they're not all bad um so some of them may take a especially if you highlight you go, well, I'm concerned about this and this claim in the patent, and my product's this and this, and they can give you their opinion, and if they're good, maybe they can help you kind of figure out how to work around it, but you know we believe in filing a provisional patent application. But if you do an initial consult with an attorney, but then you get the ones that even though it's not going to be good, they'll still say, yeah, sure, I can file a patent for you. And then other ones that are overly critical. um, I kind of like those guys better, but they give bad advice sometimes. Because like I said, I've talked to inventors that told me their patent attorney said, this isn't patentable. And I'm like, no, it's like, this is what they said. Like, why don't we just invent this and change it up a bit? And that's, Something that one of our coaches could help you with too. So, Turi, um, look at the market. Make sure your product is marketable based on the products. Make sure you have other licensees because if it's only that one company, but you know, if you see a bunch of companies making products in that space, you know, most products are not patented. So, don't think like every product is patented. The Inventors have this weird thought that every product a company ever comes out with is patented. That's not. They can't afford that. Even large companies can't afford that. Um, but they will patent it you know, select new innovative products to, you know, keep everybody else out, hopefully. Uh, Okay. Okay, I don't know what that was. Uh, I just got a notice pop-up. Dave said, hi, Andrew, I'm trying to find U.S. novelty companies. I went through the novelty companies on your site with no luck. What, let me see, hold on, it skipped down. And a lot of manufacturers are in China. Do you have any suggestions? Well, first of all, I, I don't know if you're uh, uh, a student of ours, Dave, but that's not how you, you make your list. You, you figure out where you want to end up, and you find companies that are already in those major retailers. So that's what, I would, that's what I would do. Also, novelty is one of those areas. There's a lot of different kinds of novelties. So I can't help you there unless I could see your product. I just can't, you know, I talk to a lot of our students and I look at it and I'm like, oh, you could do this. And they're like, really? I could, oh, I didn't think of that. You know, and it's just very easy for me to do that. But without looking at your product, um, I don't really have any suggestions except for look at the major retailers where they sell this type of novelty. If it's Spencer's Gifts or maybe it's more of a gift store thing that you're calling a novelty, it's like gifts. Um, if there's a major trade show in that area, you can look at all the manufacturers there. But look at the major retailers and where you want to be and then find companies that are selling somewhat similar products, products in that same major category. Also look on Amazon. Um, I think that you're relying on our list. I wouldn't do that, that, you know, you, you really, you know, and if you're a student of ours, Dave, your coach has helped you make that list. So I don't have time to look up now if you're a student or not. Um, you can type in if you're a student, but, Maybe you just got like, I think occasionally we'll give this list like free 500 companies looking for ideas. If you're looking at that limited list, no. And really, we're going to guide you to with the methodology and the approach to make your list from scratch. And that's something that coach needs to look at your product and help you with. So um, but at least that general advice should help you a little bit. Uh, Let me see the page back up here. Uh, Wade said, hi, Andrew, on today's video, Stephen mentioned possibly learning how to do 3D computer rendered to make an idea come to life visually. Can you talk about this? Um, So uh, I haven't watched Stephen's video. We're both so busy. We don't always watch each other's videos. Uh, Courtney, one of our coaches came on our IGA and then our Groups of America meeting, which is another organization Stephen and I run. It's like our charity work, basically, and um, showed people how to uh how to use augmented reality to show somebody your 3d virtual prototype they can spin it around and look at it whether actually put it on their shelf or actually just spin around and look at it but in order to do that you need to have a 3d computer rendered model now we do that for our students so that is something that we do for our students um we will do uh, you typically static ones. So, you know, even though the designer has one that could be spun around, we'll figure out what angle it needs to show at in the cell sheet or it could be thrown into a video. Um, So, yeah, 3D computer generated models are fantastic. I would say about we do them for about 75 to 85 percent of our students. Some of our students do these beautiful prototype. I'm like, why would you do a rendering on that? It looks beautiful. Great. But a lot of you have a hard time creating one. So we do that. our students and our design studio does that publicly as well so um yeah i think it's a great thing to do Uh, a lot of people really get stuck thinking like they and, and then there's there's outfits that will charge you insane amounts of money for that guys don't spend crazy amount of money we we help our students that's included with our coaching membership um so you know and it doesn't need to be an engineering drawing with sorry guys i got some um allergies, so my nose is itchy. It doesn't need to be an engineering drawing with specification stuff. It just needs to be something pretty to look at. That's what we do for our students. Um, And it works beautifully. So that's what I'll say on that. Um, And he wrote, and if I'm not an artist, I can actually get good at this in order to do my own 3D drawings. Okay. that's No, I wouldn't recommend that, Wade. There's so many extremely competent graphic designers these days that work so cheap. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I would recommend. I recommend because I think Wade, you're a new, I think, academy student. Uh, I'd recommend really learning how to license and leaving that to the pros because it's not expensive these days. So um, after you learn how to license and you get very prolific and and you you can you know, but it just takes so long to get up and running with those 3D software. It's really hard, guys. I've tried it a couple of times. I gave up. I didn't really try that hard, but um, and so I don't recommend that, man. It's just going to be a huge distraction. The time that you learn how to do your own 3D renders, which is incredibly complex, uh, you could have worked on eight other projects, you know, to try to license them. So I really wouldn't recommend that for most people, Wade. I think sometimes I have engineers, they're professional engineers, they know SolidWorks, they know Maya, they know these complicated software programs already, and Great. But even then, if they're an engineer, but they're not a designer, they don't know how to make stuff look pretty, they shouldn't be doing it either. They might create something and have somebody fix it up. But so I think it's a distraction and it could be the same distraction. A lot of you like you'll mess around with a prototype for months or years talk to people working on the same thing for 10 years sometimes. And so it's just another reason, oh, well, I don't, I can't, I don't have my virtual prototype done yet because you're trying to learn a very complicated skill. I think your time is better spent learning how to license than learning how to do your own 3D drawings. But like I said, if you're a, a professional and you're very experienced with 3D software and you just need to tweak it in a little bit and you have artistic talent, that's not most of you, it's very few of you. Um, cause I know engineers that can use this software, but it's not pretty and it, and they don't know how to render it out make it look pretty and get the right angles and stuff. They shouldn't even be doing it. Um, so that's my take just to give you guys some perspective. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, vet said, uh, can a product get licensed after it's already on the market? Absolutely. We have a lot of students that come on board and they've been selling it themselves. And then they, they go, you know, And it's a wide range from, uh, I talked to a guy the other day that spent a million dollars on his ideas in the hole a lot. And then other people are like, well, Andrew, if I work out how much time I'm spending on this and how much money I'm making, try to sell it myself, I'm earning like minimum wage. Or to people that are literally making millions of dollars a year and they're like, I'm drowning, Andrew, I can't do this anymore. I know a big company can do even better than I can, quite a bit actually, so I want to license it. So there's a wide range of people that have ventured their products. And selling it themselves that then license it and i always tell them look continue to do what you're doing as long as it's not putting in the whole debt wise if you have money coming in you can in tandem work on licensing it and if the licensing deal looks a lot better which quite often it does than what you're currently doing great if that particular potential licensee manufacturer you put the numbers together and you're like i don't know what they can do is really i'm not that impressed well then don't do the deal so um yeah vet. we have students all the time that have been venturing um, usually they say, I wish I didn't do this, <laughs> the vast majority of them. Um, in order to start a business, you need to be equally excited about running the business as you are about the idea. Your excitement about the idea is not enough. If you don't want to manage employees and have a company culture, and raise tons of hundreds of thousands of dollars just to barely get started, and do all the stuff that you need to do and all the little piddly stuff, the, 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 the accounting and the, the marketing, and the, it's brutal. Like if you don't wanna, if you're not as excited about doing that stuff as you are about the idea, you, are, you will absolutely positively fail at trying to venture it and sell it yourself. Now with licensing, you don't need to do any of that stuff. Now, I was talking to a, to a we had this gentleman, he was a speaker actually, not that long ago, I think at our uh, bridge and Gap meeting. And he had a product, it was like a volleyball net that had four sides to it. It was kind of cool, I, was a cross net or something? I forget what it was called. But anyway, he was like 20 something. This dude was super excited about running a business because he was like running with his friends and hiring other people. And and I don't find that very common, but he was. And I'm like, he's the right kind of guy to be running a business. He didn't want a license at all, but he was really excited about running a business, building a company culture, all that. And he had the energy because he was 20 something. And some of you guys, you know, 50, 60, you have that energy and that's fine. But um, really think very carefully about running a business, talk to people that have done it, not people that are trying to sell you something and they'll tell you how brutal it is. It's pretty tough. But if if you're in the right mindset, it can be fine. But I don't find most inventors are and they have these misperceptions that they just need the money and the 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 hours you need to work are, you're looking at 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks, guys. And if you're not putting that in when you're launching your own business, you're you're gonna fail. Uh, if you're putting that in and you have the right skill set and you have the right team and you enjoy running the business as much as the product itself then you're, you you know you have a fair chance of being successful um but then you're still dealing with the fact that retailers don't like you because you got one product they don't want to deal with you they want to deal with the company as you know 80 90. one of our coaches licensed a product to a company is nine thousand different products and so they're worried when you have one product you're not going to deliver on time um, you're going to have quality control issues you're going to have you know, all sorts of issues. They just don't want to deal with it. So you really, it's really hard to convince them to take you on. But when you're licensing, you license that big company. The manufacturer's rep for that big company is constantly visiting the buyer. They're getting the face time. Not only can they get your product in the stores, but more importantly, they can keep it in the stores. So that's the big difference between licensing and venturing, guys. Um, hmm. Voyage Travel said, is it possible to buy already existing patents and make changes or improve it? um to sell yeah that's possible but guess what most patents are garbage guys i've heard i intellectual property experts say up to 80% of patents are weak to junk so be careful about buying patents that are you know are useless um and so you, you guys are like well crap is mine junk no not if you think about the variations workarounds, improvements like Steve and I always talk about and include those in your provisional and or patent. But most inventors don't do that. They don't. The inventor doesn't give it to the patent attorney. The patent attorney doesn't ask them to do it. And you have garbage patents, garbage in, garbage out. If you don't show them all the variations, you don't cover it, the patent's garbage. So Voyage Travel, yes, you could buy somebody else's patent, but take a close look at it, figure out if it's worth buying. Probably isn't most of the time. Um. Let's see. Low boy said, if you license a product, sometimes I just shorten these names because they're funny. If you license a product with a company, with a provisional, as part of your agreement, you are to obtain a non-provisional but are unable to and unpatentable, what happens to the agreement? Okay, so he's saying if you file a provisional and if the agreement says you have to get a patent, um, what happens if you can't? Well, I can guarantee every single one of you get a patent every single time. So um, sometimes companies will, and we, we, we've, I'm sorry, we fool potential licensees along with our students. We help our students fool these companies that insist on this. So first of all, companies that, it's just kind of a douchey thing if you ask me to insist that company, um, that for a company to insist that, oh, we're not going to pay you if your patent is an issue. But some of them get weird about it. A lot of companies aren't that sophisticated about patents or they got an unsophisticated person or two in the company that's making some terms. Maybe it's general counsel and they're, they're an attorney, but they don't know crap about patents. So they put silly stuff in there. And we're like, well, that's not a problem. You know. So you, know, you could always, when you file a patent, you can have claims that are very broad and are gonna be hard to get. And you can make claims so narrow so specific that the patent examiner will always give them to you. They're like, well, they're probably thinking, they're not going to say it. Well, that's so limited. That's not really going to protect you much, but, um, but yeah, sure. You can have that. So you, if you have your attorney file, um, always put some really, really super narrow claims in there that you're guaranteed to get. If this is something that you want to do, if they, the company you license to insists that your patent has to issue, it'll issue every time now low boy, maybe you're assuming that every deal that our students do has a patent attached to it. All our students file a provisional, but some companies are like, we don't care about patents. You can file one if you want. And then the inventor is like, oh, okay, well maybe I won't. Let's see how it goes first, you know? And so just because you do not need, have to have a patent in order to do a licensing deal, they don't have to be connected. And if in the licensing agreement it stipulates they have to pay you regardless, and it doesn't attach it to a patent, then they have to pay you regardless, and we do that all the time. So if you can make it not dependent on the patent, but sometimes they make it dependent on the patent. Um, but it doesn't say if it doesn't issue that they don't have to pay you or pay you a lower royalty. But if you just throw a narrow claim or two in there, um, then when you have your attorney file the full utility and reference the provisional, then you're you're covered. So I don't see that be as a problem at all. I love that question. That was a fun question. Um, but you can kind of tell, guys, that we've been doing this like forever and a day. There isn't a scenario. That and if there is a scenario that comes up that we haven't seen before, where you get all excited because it's kind of fun, after 22 years, there's not many scenarios that we haven't seen before. It might be a slight variant of something we've seen before, but we got an answer for everything. So, um, okay. Brandon said, "Hi, Andrew. What are some standard terms for for reversion?" reversion rights and licensing deals how are the details determined i think maybe he means getting reversion rights to getting out of the contract so the the most common are uh, minimum guarantees so there needs to be a minimum amount that they need to pay you every quarter regardless of what they sell if they sell more you get paid more but if they sell don't sell a single one they need to pay you those minimum guarantees there's also a lot of other clauses in the contract um there's too many to go into but One of the biggest ones is minimum guarantees, and that's usually a very small fraction of what you know they can sell. So you don't want to freak out a company with too big a minimum guarantees. You want to like, you know, usually quite often you interview them about what they can do, and then they, you know, they're bragging early on. And then when you come back with, minimum, this is just one of many stipulations in the contract, but and the minimums are like a fraction of what they said they can sell. If they argue it, then you go, well, that's a fraction. You don't even want to be selling this anymore if it's this low. But it's really important to have those because if they fail to launch or if they're just failing abysmally, you don't necessarily pull it from them. You might say, hey, guys, can you try this or try that? They're like, yeah, we still think it has a lot of potential here. We need to talk to that buyer or whatever. And um, it gives you the right to pull it, but you don't necessarily want to pull it. Okay but they don't trust me. No company wants to continue to pay you money on something that they have failed to launch. So, But there are a lot of other ways of dealing with that as well, but that's one of the big ones. Um, Let's see. Vincent says, uh, you inspire me to keep moving forward. I appreciate you and your knowledge. You're welcome. Thank you, Vincent. I appreciate that. Uh, Sam said, "Question: Have you ever had an right grad open up a legit invention submission company for inventors that doesn't want to be bothered with approaching companies themselves? Um, you know, I've seen inventors over the year years try to do that, and I never see them last more than six months to a year. Because what they end up dealing with is a lot of unrealistic inventors that have think they have the greatest things since sliced bread." And don't want to do any work and then they're trying to just dump it on them and so the only ones that i see stick around it's very unfortunate and you know i know why this is but i it's very unfortunate but the only ones that i see stick around are the ones that are scamming inventors but i do see people try it but i i most of the time to be honest with you i don't see them last more than six months a year if that and i've never seen one stick around so, because it's a lot of work to reach out. And when it's not your idea, you know, they would need to charge quite a bit for that. If a, a venture promotion company was legitimately reaching out on behalf of inventors, that's a hour-wise, that's a lot of work. And so, and then you need to comply with Federal Trade Commission rules. That's pretty brutal. Um, and you know, it's like, yeah, it, it's just eh. It's nobody that's legit really wants to do it it's the illegitimate people that end up doing it and I could talk extensively about why that is having but um, anyway uh, uh, Vincent also said, what's the success rate by merging two existing products together that's called mix and match it's very common um, I don't know you know I, I would need to take a look at every student that's kind of done that with their products and then see how many license I don't know. I don't know what the success rate is, but I think that's not the question you should be asking yourself, Vincent. Once you created this product, sorry guys, I got these terrible allergies. My nose is really itchy. Once you created these um, products that you Frankenstein together and it's a combination of two products, you want to then look at the space where it would live. And so if it's a kitchen cutting board, look at all the kitchen cutting boards. If it's a doorstop, look at the doorstops and go, how does it fit in? How does it compete with these other products? That's the question you should ask yourself. Does this product make sense? Combining two products together is more an ideation creation tool to come up with new ideas, but then you got to say, how does this product make sense in the existing marketplace? That was a great question, Vincent. Um, Tua said, Hey, Andrew, when writing a PPA, do you guys offer a service just helping coaching for the PPA alone? I'm confident in the remaining aspects of this process, but the vocabulary of PPA is different. Um, Okay, so to a, there's two options. If you sign up for our premium program or our academy program, we give you our smart IP software and that is included and the coach will guide you on the non... Um, the, the software is gonna guide you on the terminology, okay? A coach cannot review, that's getting into legal advice, your PPA and say, change this word, change that word. A coach can't do that. Now what a coach can do is talk to you about the product and go, geez, there's like 10 variations that are obvious here that you should include. They can brainstorm with you, be an inventor with you, which most of you can do on your own, to be honest with you, be an inventor to include the variations, workarounds, improvements, and the software's gonna take care of the rest of it. So if you, what I would do is just use our smart IP software, you know, that'll guide you through it. Now we do have an option called Premium Plus, where we actually have an attorney write the provisional and then also a professional patent search i don't find most people need that i don't think you need to spend that money i think you can do a provisional patent yourself i think you can do any patent searching yourself as well but that's included with our coaching program um uh, hmm. uh, said hey andrew what do you need to see for inspiration when you feel like you need motivation um as far as coming up with product ideas i highly recommend google images you start just looking at a category, um, a micro category, like kitchen cutting boards or doorstops or barbecue specials or whatever. And just looking at all that visual stimulation, it usually gets people's juices flowing on creating new ideas. And looking at all that stuff in the space with no invention. I don't know if that's, but then you might be talking a different sort of motivation. I think that with the whole licensing process, I think people get It's hard to go from being a person that just comes up with ideas and is creative to being a person that's licensing them and working on them. And that is a big transition. So I think the best motivation for that is a coach that's just on top of you every week, getting you in the right mindset. I haven't found that watching a YouTube show or reading books does that because you can't ask a video a question. It can't look at your product and say, well, for that product, i do this. Or I'm disappointed I couldn't get into these three companies. And the coach is like, well, let's mix it up. Let's do this next. And they're right there alongside you. So I find that to be the best form of motivation. Um, we don't see that many of our students, our fans, licensing products, but our students are licensing stuff all the time because we get into the weeds of things. And we are witnessing firsthand the inventor saying something. We're like, "Nope, wrong mindset over here. Where a video and a book, it's not a two-way means of communication. This live chat's a little bit better than a video or a book, but it's still like there's some people on here. I, I was where I said, "Look, if I don't know your product, I can't give you feedback on that," you know. And so that's very true in a lot of ways. Um, okay, inspirational, intelligent athlete. Wow, that's quite a long name. Uh, that's a <laughs> your username. Evening, Andrew. It's Lewis. I look forward. I look for parent companies or sister companies. For instance, Walmart sells hyper tough tools. Do you look for hyper tough or TTI, which is the parent company? Well, I would just look for the company that you know the name of, and then you'll realize that TTI, which is a very large tool company. And tool company is kind of weird. There's a handful, I think, eight or ten tool companies that like own most, like, 80% of the other tool companies. So I think usually you just look for the brand that you found on the back of the package, and then you can do more deeper research to find out who their parent company is on their website. So um, I wouldn't hesitate to reach out to both. I don't care. Until you get somebody that says, oh, this is interesting. Let me show it around. Then they're your person. But until then, it's okay to reach out to any and all of them. Um, That's what I would do. Uh Gospel Awakening says is deborah says uh can someone in Canada steal my product idea while it's still in patent pending status Um no because uh the US is part part of what's called the PCT the Patent Cooperation Treaty so in the US we have a provisional patent so if you file that provisional and it's going to preserve your rights for a year to later file either a PCT to file in other countries like Canada or elsewhere um, or file in the US. So because Canada and Europe, most of Europe is on the PCT, um, it's kind of preserving your foreign filing rights. So I wouldn't worry about that. I've never ever seen that happen. Um, you know, most inventors rip themselves off out of their own fear by not showing their products to anybody. Um, I've never had one of our students had an idea stolen by a company that they had presented to in 22 years with students in over 65 countries. Will typically have uh, four to 600 students at any point in time. So, what does that say? So, don't worry so much about that, Deborah. File a provisional, that's great. But don't think because it's a US provisional, somebody in Canada can steal it. Just work on licensing it. And, um, you know, that's that's not something to really to worry about. But again, everything I share with you today is not considered legal advice. Please consult your attorney if you're looking for legal advice. Let me see if I can get somebody new here that I haven't. Um, uh, Grace said, if my idea can be used in the kitchen as well as kids art, how would I put that on the sell sheet? Uh, you wouldn't. So if if this product generally, since I don't know your product yet, um, if your idea can be used in the kitchen as well as kids art, I don't find those two distribution channels to be remotely associated with each other. Um, unless it's like a a product that the family would use to keep track of stuff, but the kid would also use. Um, But it's, so it sounds to me, Grace, and I can't say for sure, I would know right away if I saw your product, um, you have one sell sheet for use in the kitchen, and you're going to have a separate list of companies there. And then for the kid art version, you're going to have a different sell sheet and a separate list of companies there. Because the reason why I'm saying that is how many companies sell products that are for kids to use in the playroom and also for the kitchen not many now if there's a crossover then then maybe so but i would think most of them are going to be separate sell sheets separate product and you could do separate licenses now again grace this is all generic because i haven't seen your product but for illustrative purposes that is possible and i see that sometimes Alexandre said, as always, thanks and thumbs up. Uh, Time Lizard says they're back at it again. Cool. Um, <laughs> Paula said, Andrew, even engineers can design sometimes. No, engineers are great about designing stuff. Absolutely. Um, but before I was talking about uh, one, Wade, I think it was, wanted to learn 3D design software, which is a massive learning curve. But I said, even if you're an engineer, and you know how to use CAD software, it can still be a huge learning curve to be able to learn design. So just because you know how to use Photoshop doesn't mean you're, you're good at graphic design, it's going to look pretty, you might know the functionality of it, but you don't have the artist side. And just because you're an engineer, you know, you know how to use CAD software doesn't mean you should be using it to create a 3d virtual prototype, where when you have a designer type person that can create something beautiful, but maybe they suck at the engineering part. So just cause you're an engineer and you know CAD software doesn't mean you should even be doing your own 3D prototypes. And I think a lot of engineers have told me that too. Like Andrew, I know CAD, but I couldn't create something that pretty, you know? So, um, but you're, you're right. If you can, Paula, if you can do that, fantastic. More power to you. But you know, I, it's, it's so, easy and affordable to get 3D design done these days, why would you spend a year learning that when you could be licensing products, you know? Um, And inventors are already kind of overwhelmed with everything they need to do. Why throw one more thing on your pile? And I'll tell you why for some people, it's just one more reason to delay, to not to reach out to companies, not to do these other things you're fearful of. Well, I'll learn this skill. And then two years later, you still don't know that skill and you haven't been approaching any companies. So I've seen that pattern. A lot over 22 years with people that aren't event right students that want, oh, I'll, you know, I want to learn my own how to design my own 3D prototypes. It's like, okay. Um, John said, oh, this is interesting. John said, hi, Andrew, I have a patent pending uh, weeks away, Fusion 360, that's a software, uh, 3D design software, mechanical drawings and a prototype. Should be available this week. That's great, man. So, you know, it's great. I don't know if you did that yourself or somebody else did it, but it sounds like maybe you did it. So, great. Good on you. I just don't find the majority of inventors have those skills. Um, Alexandre said, imagine an event, right? Working 60, 70 hours per week only on inventions, follow up, and creating new products. I'll be that guy and take the time off. Um, they take time off pretty often. So when I was saying it takes 60 to 70 hour work weeks, what I was referring to is running your own business, selling it yourself. When you're licensing, I always tell new students, if you have two to six hours a week, that's enough to license products. But yeah, if, Alexander, if you spent 60 hours licensing, man, once you get your bearings, you'd be like rocking it. That would be amazing if some of you were in between careers and you wanted to do that once you learn the process. But it takes a bit to learn the process. And when our students work on their second project, it's two to five times faster because everything's familiar. So very important thing to go through the process and learn it. And then you get faster and faster with it. Uh, Vincent also says, can you take two existing products and merge them together? Of course you can. Can, Yeah, you can. Um, Yeah, you can. I mean, that's the answer is Yes. And it, it becomes a new product. So, oh, am I violating their patents or whatever? It's like all well, it depends on what the hell you did. I have no idea. You, you got to look at okay. Well, it's it's like a different new product now. And if it's so different, it's like you, you doubt you're violating their patents. But you need to take a look at that. But and there's a lot of them don't have patents. But it's very common to take two products, put them together, and have a new product. Very very common. Um. Uh. This is from last cast twenty eleven if you have a patent with three versions of a tool, but two versions are end up being similar to the new prior art patent oh it's getting complicated. Does it void your patent? Can you market and sell the version that's different Okay if you have two if you have a patent with three versions of the tool, but two versions end up being similar to a prior art patent well. Okay. Does your, does your patent become void? No. I mean, well, first off, a provisional patent is not a patent guys. A provisional patent is an application. So they don't even review it. So you can throw whatever the hell you want in there. But then, then when your attorney files a full utility patent, they'll reference the provisional to get that date and they'll put whatever is in there is in there. But, um, So, he's basically saying if my patent, if you have a patent with three versions of a tool, but two versions end up being similar to new prior art, it depends on what claims they're violating. I don't know if yours is still pending. If yours is whatever, whoever got there first, first true inventor of file has protection in that area. That's the answer. Whoever has, whoever got the patent first has the rights for those particular claims, whether they overlap or not, you need to look at it. So, um, well, and Land last cast has, I have a patent pending. He's just pending. It hasn't been granted yet. So it sounds like he's pending. He's got this new patent that he noticed was issued. And then he's concerned that that will conflict with what he did. And, you know, if yours is before you might, and you were waiting forever, you might be able to invalidate their patent. Maybe not. Could create an issue for you. But I can tell you guys, nine times out of 10, it's pretty rare that our students when we're coaching them, this becomes a problem. And when it does nine times out of 10, when I take a look at it, it's not a problem. Now it could be, you know, it's one time out of 10, but um, so you have to take a look. I can't answer that question last cast without seeing the product and the patent and all that. I can't answer it, but you can take a look at it. Um, thank you, Derek. Yeah, if you guys could give me a like and subscribe, I'd really appreciate that. Um, if you could subscribe down below, click the notification, and like the video, that would be fantastic. Um, that's, I mean, that's basically all I'm asking is, since I spent an entire hour, this isn't like some video you're watching. This is an hour answering your guys' questions. So if you could if you could subscribe, I really appreciate it. I would love to get to 80,000 subscribers within six months. I don't know if that's possible. If you guys could help us, that would be great. Um, I'm not gonna answer this one, but I'm gonna give you guys a resource. Tiny Hat Experiences says, can you speak about how crowdfunding and invention can assist in ultimately licensing it? I am not at all a fan of crowdfunding anymore. I did a whole YouTube video on it that's super in depth on how licensing is better and it goes in depth. So if you go to our InventRight TV channel, if you click on our little logo on any of our videos, don't do it now, and then we'll get to InventRight TV, and then you can just search our channel and you just type in crowdfunding, you're going to see my video. So if any of you are like, oh, I'm thinking about doing crowdfunding, you won't after you watch my video. Watch my video and i will show you how licensing is head and above better. But why am I, I'm not going to recreate that right here. So we just go ahead and watch that tiny hat and um, go to right TV, click on search, just search our channel and type in crowdfunding and you'll find it. uh gail said our gal gal butler said i feel like none of my ideas can be licensed because they aren't similar to other products how similar does the idea need to be so no i don't think that's the reason i think that i think it needs needs to have a benefit and sometimes inventors are good at this and sometimes inventors are not you know and so you're right uh uh, gal uh, if you see that there's you know eight kitchen cutting boards that have like this set of features, right? And you're like, oh, I know that's selling well, but I'm going to add this little something to it. Mine has all those features plus something to it. Then you kind of know there's a market for it and you're just kind of making it a slight improvement. But sometimes people go, I, I hear this all the time. Oh, there's nothing like my invention. I have never, no inventor has ever proved me wrong where I said there has never been an invention in a 22 years of invent right where there's nothing like it. No, there's nothing exactly like it. But there's always something in that space. This one over here has 50% of the benefits. This one has 75% of the benefits. This one has the same benefit, but it's delivered a different way. So no inventor has ever been able to prove me wrong when they say there's nothing like it. But they're thinking there's nothing exactly like it. Yeah, of course, there's that, that's relevant. But so you, want, you want to look what you want to look at, Gal, is um, what else is in the marketplace? If it is marketable... And you think people would buy it and it could be made at a reasonable price, freaking go for it and try to license it. It's just that simple. I don't care if you, there's nothing a similar space in, and there probably is. You're probably not looking at it right. I look at stuff all the time and I look at it and they're like, There's not, there's no space for this. And I'm like, Yeah, there is. It'd be right over here. You know, and that's something a coach could help you with. But one of our one of our invent right coaches. But um, I'm not concerned about it as long as you feel like it has a clear benefit. Now, sometimes inventors create something just for themselves. You know, like, it's literally like, wow, that is so specific. Is that a problem? Like, look around. Look at other products that solve that problem. So if if it's solving a problem that nothing is even remotely solving, then I don't know. You should be a little concerned, but take a look at it. Use logic, you know. Um, uh, Sun Man said... Hey, Andrew, your videos are a gold mine. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. If my potential licensee is the manufacturer and also the retailer, will my royalty be on the retail price as opposed to the wholesale price? Um, that's a good question. So sometimes we've had deals where, um, especially more often these days, where the company is doing a large majority of its sales direct to the consumer. Um, on Amazon or on their own website or whatever. And quite often in that case, it can be on the retail price and you just make an adjustment for it. Um, But most of the time it's the product, it's the wholesale price. So it's the price that the manufacturer sells to the retailer for, because that's all trackable. If you need to author books, it's trackable. It's impossible to track sales, right? Um, because there's reductions, there's clearance, there's all this, and you know, one day it's selling for 24.95, and the next day it's on sale for 19.95. You know, so but most of the time it's tracked on the wholesale price. You can adjust the royalty rate up or down for that. But if they sell direct to consumers, then you want to base it on the retail price, and you just adjust the royalty accordingly. Obviously, if you can still get a same five percent royalty on retail, you're making a higher royalty. And I've seen plenty of our students do that, or even eight percent or something like that. And i'm always amazed that they pay it um but uh so yeah that's that can be the case definitely um uh, grace said you're welcome for answering questions grace um, uh cameron said hi andrew just stepping stopping in thank you for responding to my comment earlier this week what is the best way to approach A supplier for a pre-sale order or even to pitch? I don't know, Cameron. That's not really, we just do licensing. So um, what's the best way to approach a supplier for a pre-sale order or even to pitch? Um, uh, Approach a supplier for a pre-sale order. I, I don't know what you mean because we don't approach suppliers for sales. We're trying to do a licensing deal. So I don't know if you mean approach a retailer and then get them interested. And then when they say, oh, yeah, we like this product, what's the delivery? And you're like, oh, no, I don't have it. I'm just looking to license it. And then going to a manufacturer and saying, hey, this retailer wants it. I don't know if you're doing that pull through marketing. So I don't really understand your question. Um, Because if you're selling it yourself, we don't do that. We just do licensing, where you're going to license to a big company and they're going to sell it. So if you want to answer me back, if, if your question is to venturing or licensing, I'm really not sure. Um, oh, Cameron said distributor, not supplier. Sorry. Okay. Uh, well, distributors, you know, distributors don't really want to deal with you guys if you're selling your own product because they wanna deal with the manufacturer that's promoting the crap out of it. And now they can sell it. They're not really gonna promote stuff for you. They're just gonna distribute it. And um, and even when they visit retailers, retailers are like, well, what kind of promotion is this vendor doing? Well, no, no, well, I'm not interested. You know, So they don't really do as much for you as you think. Um, yeah. Uh, Gail said, how about this? My product is made almost entirely with injection molding. Can I license to a company that just has that machine but doesn't make similar products? Oh, okay. No, that's not what you want. You don't want a company that is a contract manufacturer and can make your product, has no distribution. You want a company that has the distribution. And whether they're getting that made in their factory or outsourcing it to another factory in China, you don't care. I mean, you can care, that's fine. But you just want a company, a brand that has distribution in the stores where you want to be. You do not want to license to a contract manufacturer that just makes stuff but has no distribution. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Do not do that. Not the rep. So I'm glad you asked that question. And then Gail said also, can I have creative control over the marketing? You know, that's one downside of licensing. You're going to lose a little bit of it. You can have your input. But if they wanna make it pink and you're, you're arguing before you do the licensing deal with them that it has to be purple and you're getting a big argument, they may decide not to do a licensing deal with you. So you lose a little bit of control, but they're really good at the logistics and stuff and they're gonna be really good at the marketing for the most part. Um, and some of them want you to be involved in that. And then others are like, yeah, you know, if you got things, you know, let us know and we'll take it into consideration. And others are like, we got it, go away. If you come back with another version, And that's kind of extreme, most don't do this, or something like that. We want to hear about it, but we got it from here, you know, and it's a really wide range. Most of them are kind of in between. Um, Some of them will be really involved with you love all your suggestions. So um, that's something you can kind of assess, like we help our students assess, like by talking to them, you kind of learn how open or closed they are to suggestions and things, and it's all over the map. so like some companies will be like, yeah, if you want to get that out there as an inventor and talk that you invented this thing and do some social media on it, they're like, great. And others are like, no, 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 no. We need to approve that with our marketing department. We do not want you saying you're the inventor and publicizing it and helping us get publicity. It's all over the map. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. Cool. Well, we hit the hour, guys. Um, if you guys could, uh, if you guys enjoyed this, please, in the comments down below, please, uh, you know, we're, we're compiling some testimonials for our site. So if you um, have anything positive to say about this live stream that I did for you guys, feel free to type it in down there. I'd really appreciate it. it makes me feel good. Nice to know that, um, that I'm helping you guys. Also, if you're not subscribed, click on the subscribe button below, watch all our videos and like them. And I remind you guys take care and keep inventing. See you guys. Bye.